How long should your long runs be? We've done a lot of episodes like this in the past where we've called it the 20 mile long run rule or marathon training rules. And I thought that for this episode, we would just talk about long runs as a whole. And so we will be covering a lot of things as it pertains to marathon training, but we'll also touch on how long should your long run be, even if you're not training for a marathon, if you're training for half marathon, ultra marathon, 5K, 10K. And even if you're not training for any race, how long should you really be running on your long run? What pace should it be? And all of the questions that people love to ask about that long run. So anyone who's ever trained for a marathon has probably Googled at some point or another marathon training plan. Most of the plans that you are going to find on Google are going to encompass a 20 mile long run. But do you really need to run 20 miles in a long run to finish a marathon? Or the better question might be, could doing a 20 mile long run actually have less benefit than doing, say, a 16 mile long run that weekend? We're gonna do a deep dive into the research of Jack Daniels, who is an exercise physiologist with a PhD, and what he says about long runs. A lot of our content that we share on Instagram or in our weekly newsletters, if you're on our email list or in any previous podcast episodes, really is based on a lot of the research that he's done and a lot of the philosophies of Jack Daniels. He actually has a book out as well as a run coaching certification where you can find a lot of the details in regards to not only long runs, but everything else that he talks about in the world of running. Um, and we also like to use his running calculator, the VDOT calculator. And a lot of people have maybe heard of VDOT and they have a really great calculator on their website. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the three main guidelines that we talk about on social media or wherever you follow us. The three guidelines are going to be number one, most long runs should be done at an easy pace. Number two, long runs shouldn't be more than one third of your total weekly volume. And number three, your long runs really should be capped and limited, unless there's like extenuating circumstances, to two and a half to three hours in duration. I know a lot of people, when they hear that, they start to panic, especially people who are going to maybe run a 50K, a 50 miler, um, or let's say you're a marathoner and you're thinking you're gonna be finishing in that five, six hour range or even um, taking longer. It can sound like unbelievable that your longest long run would be two and a half to three hours, but we're going to go and talk about some of the science and what a better option might actually be to not only get you more prepared for the start line of your marathon, but also to prevent injury and to actually make you faster in the long run. We're also going to be talking about other ways that you can frame up long run. So back-to-back -back long runs, and other things of that nature. With that being said, I guess we will kind of kick things off. Um, taking things back a little bit, I know we're kind of focusing on the marathon, it seems like, in this podcast episode, but I do think it's really important to touch on other distances as well because not everyone is always training for a marathon, and I think for a lot of people, they understand, okay, maybe I don't need to do a 20-miler, but what if I'm not training for a marathon or what if I'm focusing on like five Ks this summer? What should the long run really look like? And so I will hand it over to Jason. Um, Jason has a background coaching high school and college 
track and cross country and a lot of the distances um, that those athletes race are 10K or under. And so he has a lot of experience coaching athletes of a variety of different distances in the um, maybe, I don't know if it's mid-distance, but it seems like it's (laughs) significantly shorter than um, a marathon race. And so talking a little bit about how you capped your athletes' long runs and what really the long run looks like for someone who isn't training for a marathon or half marathon. Yeah, definitely a fun topic to start with. You know, thinking back to my high school days when I kind of got into running, for us, a long run would be like five or six miles early on the first year or two running. And so this is all going to depend on the level each athlete's at and and how fast they're going to progress is going to be based on um, their consistency and their recovery and their performance, right? Um, a lot of times athletes that run, let's say you run an 11 minute mile, um, it's going to take you a lot longer to finish 10 miles than it would someone who runs about an eight minute mile for their easy pace run. So time is definitely a factor as well. And that's kind of how we started with long runs. It was more time-based like 60 minutes. I feel like was sort of the first, um, you, you know, if you've been out for a year or two, you, you try to get kids up to that level. And then maybe that second or third year, depending on how they're progressing, then maybe they're shooting for that 70 to 75 minute level for the long run. And this doesn't mean it's every week, right? Because um, high school kids, you know, they have a lot of races and stuff. So um, by the time, fast forward to college though, I think that was a pretty standard long run was between 75 to 90 minutes. Uh, I, I don't think I ever recall really going over that, um, that 13 to 14 mile range ever. So. Um, and you know, you're maxing out at running five mile races or 10 K races at that point. So, um, you're also running a heavy amount of miles, like 40 to 50 miles a week. So when you think about a 14 mile long run or 13 mile long run, that seems pretty appropriate. Um, but this will all depend on your experience and how you're progressing. Um, fast, you know, if we take an adult runner, for example, um, figuring out how far to to go for your long run can be tricky if you just start running right and so that's why it's really important to maybe have someone in your corner either a coach or someone that knows how to help you craft a plan so that you don't make any training mistakes right yeah i love how you talked about the beginner athlete or the athlete maybe that's coming back doesn't have a very strong base in terms of the long run so the first thing you're really going to want to be limiting yourself by is do I even, you know, have the base? Like, have I been running long, right? And we want to be looking at, okay, what have you been doing in the last six to eight weeks? What has your average longest run of the week been? And for some people, for a lot of athletes, um, maybe there isn't a designated long run. Maybe every single run they're doing is between two to three to four miles. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're going to start structuring a training plan where an athlete has a long run all of a sudden because maybe they want more structure in their training, maybe they want to build up for something, maybe they want to start increasing their mileage, what I would do is look at what has that longest long run been? Have they hit that long run distance um, in the last three weeks at some point? And then I would probably start them off right there or add five, maybe seven minutes onto that. And then maybe every other week building up from there, following in those guidelines. So we talked about what those guidelines were earlier and one of them was we don't really want that long run to be more than 30% of your weekly volume. And so I find that that really starts to cap people pretty quickly, um, especially if you're maybe building back newer to the sport, if you're running 15 miles a week, 
uh, that's about like a five mile long run. And see, these are where things start to get a little bit dicey because I do work with a lot of people who are maybe coming back postpartum or getting back into running. And so with this 30% of your total weekly volume, I like to use the word volume because we might be utilizing some of that as cross training. So maybe this athlete is only running 10, 15 miles a week, but if they have two cross training sessions in there that are 45 to 60 minutes where they're doing cycling or power walking, whatever it may be, that goes towards that total volume. So we wanna look at how many hours really is this person exercising for instead of, okay, it's just 15 miles a week, let's do some simple math, five mile long run. Um, especially for athletes who are kind of building back, it's really challenging if someone's only running 10 miles a week to then cap their longest run at like 33% because then it would be like every, they'd maybe run three times a week and they would all be three mile runs. Um, so that's where we kind of shift things a little bit um, because we do see that a lot of people who are running just two, three, four days a week oftentimes we'll have a cross training day. And so I add that into volume because your body doesn't necessarily know, um, know the difference between like volume. Yeah. So I think it's a really good rule to follow or a good guideline to follow. But at the same time, we also want to think about the fact that sometimes these guidelines are a little bit loose and flexible. So for example, if we have an athlete that's working with us who's training for an Ironman. Um, that's where I really like to use this example of going to volume versus mileage. Um, an athlete training for an Ironman could be doing upwards of like 20 hours of aerobic right. activity in a week. Um, but if you're coming to us with a running background, maybe you're only gonna be doing like for peak week, like 30, 35, 40 miles during that peak week of running. And so you might look at that and go, okay, well, how are you gonna get a long run that's long enough to hold up for a marathon distance if you're only running 30 miles a week? Well, they're doing all of these other aerobic activities. And so that's where we're, we're going with that 30%. Um, they can sustain kind of that, that longer effort um, right. for the run. And typically we're also looking at an athlete background, right? So for some athletes, like there's a famous book out there called Run Less, Run Faster, I believe. Um, and it's really targeted towards like master's athletes and people who have a background in the sport of running. And what it really calls out people to do is, hey, you're only gonna run three days a week and each one of them is gonna be a hard session basically. And so what it's going to look like is like a tempo, a little speed, and then your long run on the weekend. And so one might think, well, how could you work your way up to a 16-mile long run if you're only running three days a week? How could you follow this rule? Well, the idea is that these athletes who are following that sort of specific training plan, they have a base in the sport. They aren't coming to this as a brand new athlete, and they understand like the risk versus reward for injury. And so... For them, maybe running five days a week actually is more in inducive of causing an injury versus, right. okay, we're going to only run 20 miles per week because anytime we go over that threshold, you're just not feeling well. 
Um, you, your body can't hold up maybe like it could 20 years ago, uh, but you still have this goal to do the marathon. And so maybe we're going to do some spin sessions, but we're still going to do that long run. And yeah, it's probably not going to be like three hours, but we can get you up to that two hour mark because you have that total volume. Yeah, I really like how you talked about some of the exceptions to the rule, you know, triathletes, I've even had athletes that maybe just weren't getting the results they were hoping for. And so we try to tweak something about their training. Maybe it's running four days instead of five. Well, then that obviously, you know, you're losing a few miles here and there. And so those those percentages are going to go up for that long run. But, um, you know, that's really the key is just figuring out what's working for you. And if something isn't, if it's too much training, just back off. Like you said, run less, you might run faster. Um, if you do your first marathon training cycle, things seem to go pretty well, um, then you can always think to maybe add a little bit the next time around as long as you are, you know, you're healthy and you felt good. Um, but that can be the tricky thing is for a first time marathoner to figure out like, okay, how long should I run all these long runs at? Mm -hmm. Um, and even when you're doing your first half marathon, you know, there's, um, I would do a lot of time-based runs, but for me, I know I probably I think I peaked at right at that 12 to 13. I didn't go over that for my first half. Some people, they, they peak at 10 would be their longest run. It really just depends on what, what is your goal. Is it to finish the race? Is it to run a certain time? Um, how long have you been running? How long have you been running and doing other races? Because I think that that is, says a lot about maybe your background and your experiences. Um, you know, I had that experience of doing a lot of 10 mile runs back in college. Um, so yeah, I think this is a it, definitely a loaded question. It's a really individualized answer in terms of how, figuring out you know how long these runs should be. Yeah, definitely. And I do think it's tempting, especially just like hearing you talk and how you were saying like before your first half marathon, you did several like 12, 13 mile long runs. Um, and I'm sure like on Instagram, Strava, you see a lot of people like hammering out like, I mean, some of the people I follow, it's like they're doing like a 10 mile run every single day. And so... When you see that, it's really, I think it's challenging um, just as a runner to kind of be exposed to, wow, like some people are really handling these high volumes. And so it's really tempting to start saying, okay, well, if they're right. doing 10, I can at least do like seven every day, or I can at least do six. But what I like people to really look at is anytime that you see that someone is like doing 10 miles every single day or doing, you know, six miles every day or whatever it may be, and you're, you know, attracted to looking at that stuff. Instead of looking at the mileage, what is the better thing to do is look at the time, look at how long they were out there. Because there are some people I follow on Strava, like uh, Coach Kevin, right? He's like a 212 guy. I mean, he can cover, he does, you know, 12 miles in, I don't even know, like 70 minutes or something right. like ridiculous, yeah. like 75 minutes. And so then when I'm like, geez, how did he, how did he already run a 12 mile run? And I'm just now like, I did, you know, like a, a seven mile run. But when you think about it though, with how much time they're spending running. So he's an elite professional runner and he's spending 75 minutes running. And so if you are, which you should never compare yourself to other people, but I know that the temptation is there. I mean, that's what these apps literally are designed to do. If you ever feel yourself in that temptation mode, look at how long the person was out there and then ask yourself, how, how many miles would I cover if I was out there for that long? And then you can look at it with a fresh new perspective and realize, oh, it's really like me going on a X mile run or like a seven mile run or whatever it may be for you. Um, same with some of these long runs, right? So I'm gonna use Coach Kevin again because it's one of the people I follow where it's like, it's crazy. Um, he did a 28 mile long run before marathon and I, I looked at it or maybe it's 27. I don't know, it was way, it was significantly further than a marathon where I was like, what are you doing? 
um, yeah, he did it in, in under three hours. So, I mean, the, and it sounds crazy to think, wow, like he did it 28 miles right. longer. But if you're doing it in under three hours, you have to really think like, oh, wow, him running like 28 is like me being out there right. for, you know, like 21 or something, you know. And so really when you look at it through that perspective, I think that it, obviously you shouldn't compare it, but people naturally do it. So I'm just right. saying like if you do find yourself in that trap, try using the, t- the time-based thing and it really helps you kind of get out of that perspective and realize that like how individualized running really is. Um, and that's why training plans are gonna look different from athlete to athlete. And that's why I also think it's really important that you're kind of selective in maybe who your coach is or like what type of training plan you are following. For example, because if you're working with someone that pretty much only works with, you know, three hour, three thirty, four hour, and, and you're trying to run like a five hour marathon, maybe they don't really know how to right. adjust things or maybe just asking them like, hey, have you ever worked with or do you know like any sort of approaches? Like what's your philosophy for someone at my level? And then seeing kind of what they say. Um, a lot of the times what I've I've heard has happened um, in, in bad situations. Um, obviously this isn't the case every time, but I've had people come to me for coaching and they tell me like what their previous coach did. And I'm like dumbfounded and shocked because it'll be things like, oh, 15 by 400 meter repeats. And this person's like a five hour marathoner. So if you're doing 400 meter repeats, um, at, at about that fitness level, you'd probably be doing around 9, 930 pace, which is, uh, what is that? Almost five minutes. Or no, no, that would be for 800. So it would be two minutes and 30 seconds. Well, if this coach is, who's prescribing it is used to working like sub through our marathoners, right. those people are knocking out 400 meter repeats and... 80 80 seconds and so it's a completely different workout and you're prescribing someone like double the volume and you don't even really realize it and that's where it gets scary or like mile repeats right yeah so if i'm out there or you like in your peak fitness or like kevin for example kevin's peak fitness if he's gonna go out and do six by one mile that's only 30 less than 30 minutes of work for him i mean he's done with that like it's 30 minutes of the hard effort not even not even and then you prescribe that workout to five hour marathoner they're gonna it's gonna take them probably they'll They'll do do the reps at like 10 30 11 minute pace and Mm -hmm. then what how long is that for six that's an hour that's an hour and so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, you just (laughs) doubled it and so that's what's crazy to me is it's like we can never be looking at what like maybe elite level people are doing we really need to break it down by time because otherwise we're going to end up with people who are in a world of hurt people who are injured and we don't want that to happen we really want to be aware of like what type of workouts we're prescribing and who we're prescribing them to well that's just a really good example of you know looking to looking on strava for example or even comparing yourself to people who maybe have ran similar times Mm -hmm. of, of you in the past but yet their training maybe has looked different over the course of several months, right? Like maybe they've been more consistent than you've been. And so if you try to ramp things up and try to match what they're doing, that's a recipe for injury, right? Or burnout. And so like, you just don't know unless you've been closely following them, I guess, for, for years, you know, how their consistency has maybe been different from yours. Um, and, and then thinking about like you, if you, you know, we have a lot of athletes, I feel like who um, maybe come to us after 
a marathon result that they didn't want or that didn't, didn't go necessarily the greatest, right? Or maybe they ran a marathon, took some time off, then they come back, they come to us, and then they want to sign up and train for a marathon, right? And so there's maybe that gap in between there where the training wasn't super consistent. And so figuring out, that's where it's so important to figure out like, okay, what did you do for that previous cycle? This is what we're going to do for this cycle. And sometimes it's not drastically different mm-hmm. depending on the consistency in between, right? And how that and how your performance went for that race. Um, but I think people get stuck on this trap of like, they have to do more every time. Like, oh, I did one 20 mile long run last time. So I have to do two or three this time, or I have to do 21 now or 22. But the people that are doing that stuff, they're, they're probably, they've been very consistent over time. And I think before you even attempt a 21 or a 22, you should be doing like at least two 20 miles long runs during a cycle or even three. So it's like, you have to work up to that, right? Like you should be doing several 16s before you do an 18 that sort of thing and several 18s before you do a 20 that's just kind of my philosophy but we get so wrapped up into doing more like from week to week or you know every other week that um it becomes a numbers thing that we're fascinated with yeah no that really brings up a good point with just the experience going the distance and i want to circle back to it as it pertains to the marathon specifically but i think even just going back to the beginning how we were talking about how when you first started running you know like four or five miles was your longest run i think a lot of times people underestimate like how long it takes to have your body adapt to going long distances so just working up to doing a 60 minute run is Mm -hmm. big stress on the body takes the body a long time to adapt and i think sometimes as runners we really just forget like how rare it is in the population to find someone that can like run for an hour at a time i mean that's like a there's a skill it takes time um and to be able to do that consistently week after week without getting injured that's really a great thing and then moving on from there kind of building up to 75 minutes the 90 minutes and then there's things that are starting to happen physiologically once we hit that 90 minute mark so at 90 minutes uh fueling becomes incredibly important and i find that a lot of athletes can kind of like I don't know a better word, but like BS their way through runs under 90 minutes, you can actually really get away with going in appropriate paces if you're going for runs um, 90 minutes or less because you don't really start tapping into that glycogen. You're not going to start hitting that like wall, so to speak. You can kind of get away with doing some foolish things between that 60 to 90 minute mark, but what's really going to start to happen when you start towing into that two plus hour category, that's when I think things become what I would say like an endurance event. Like Mm -hmm. it is no longer about, I, I don't care what time you can run a 5k in. It's about your body needs to learn how to adapt to simply being on your feet and running just doing the mileage for an extended period of time and i think so often we see a lot of people that are like yeah i've done a couple halves like yeah you know and maybe they peter out the last couple miles of the half but they're like oh it's different i was racing and then they want to move up in distance to the marathon and maybe they can get away with like a 15 mile run 16 but they find that maybe they're bonking or it's just really difficult or like flare-ups are happening i see this all the time and what the biggest thing the biggest transition you're going to have to make if you've never made that jump or if you're struggling to or if you have ran a marathon it's just been a disaster you need to slow down. Like, wait, um, you're probably thinking, oh, but I go two minutes per mile slower than my 5K pace. You need to go even slower because going over two hours in a long run is an incredible stress on your body 
regardless of the pace that you're going. But Mm -hmm. what we need to think about is if your body is struggling to just cover that distance, it's sending you these red alerts like, oh, your plantar fasciitis flared up or I'm getting shin splints or I'm having to slow down, I'm having to walk. These are your body telling you like, this is too hard. Like I'm sending out my white flag. I want you to surrender. We're not doing this anymore. (laughs) And it's not that like you're weak minded. It's not that you're, you know, you're not built for it. It's the fact that you just need to slow down that stress response just a little bit. And usually the best way to do that, because oftentimes we don't have like four or five years to kind of build up to this, so the other option would be, if you're curious, would be to just not run as far, right? So it just take take longer, shorter time to build up. So maybe you do 13 mile runs for like a year and then the next year, like if you're refusing to slow down, then maybe go to like 15 or 14 mile runs the next year. And then you right. can move up to 15 mile long runs the next year. But who has time to wait 10 years to, to build up to that? What I'm suggesting that everyone does instead is just slow down way down so people be like but oh but but i would have to slow down like two three minutes per mile i don't care like just slow down like i i mean i've done marathons at 640 pace 639 per mile i do easy runs at 11 12 minute pace and so people be like i can't slow down it feels weird it it does feel weird i will definitely admit to that it, it's a completely different stride but what people really need to understand is that it's a completely different sport <laughs> when right. you're going over when you like you need to allow your body that time to make the adaptations and at first it's really just about going the distance i mean there are some people out there who are like magical unicorns that can like step up to the marathon distance and race the whole thing and really run to their potential but most people find that you know this is a real struggle for me i am bonking i'm not able to reach my potential the best possible thing that you can do, yes, even on long runs, is to slow it down, way, way down, and then just start going based off of time. So maybe you're super used to doing a 16-mile run at like nine-minute pace. You really want to have a break four in the marathon, but you keep bonking at the end of long runs, all that stuff. What I would have you do is uh, do your long at like 10, 10.30 pace, go out for the same duration. So if you're doing it at nine-minute pace, what would that be? 16 miles at nine-minute pace? I don't even know. Um, you'd be two, like two and a half hours, right? So then go and do two and a half hours at that 1030 pace. Yeah, you're not going to go as far, but your body doesn't really know. All it knows is that you're out there running for two and a half hours. Um, like before my most recent marathon where I ran, um, 639 pace, my longest run was 850 pace per mile. And so it's okay to mm-hmm. go significantly slower than what your goal race pace is. So if your goal pace for the marathon right. is nine, which would be a sub sub four, um, you could slow down to what, like 11, right? Yeah, for and a you, long run. You've worked up to that, you know, when right. you said like your slowest, your longest run was your slowest long run. You know, I bet you recovered fairly quickly from oh, that. Yeah, and that's really, reason. that's really this the key here is yeah. to, you know, start to, Teach your body to recover quickly from those 90-minute long runs and then those two-hour long runs. And then, you know, obviously, two, you know, once you start going over two hours, it's you never know. But if you can recover quickly and still resume your training, that's really a good sign. So by slowing down, I think that will allow you to feel better on those runs. Um, and then, you know, the next training cycle, you can just slowly build from that and add a little bit more. Like if you got up to 16, maybe you get up to like 17 or 18 on the next one. But I think that consistency during the training cycle is more important. So if you're able to knock out, let's say, eight, 16, 15, 16-mile 16 long runs during the training, 
Um, I think that that could be more valuable than potentially doing a bunch of 12s, 13, 117, 120, and that's basically it. You know, like I just think that people put so much emphasis on that like one run that's got to be three or four weeks out from the race, and if they can't hit it, can't do the distance, then it's they're not gonna be ready for race day. But that's not true at all. Like if you approach all of these other runs um, with the understanding like of how important they are as a whole to your to your training. Um, and you can finish them without setbacks, you know, a lot of 15, 16 mile runs, that's going to go a long way, I think. Yeah. And I think when people hear stuff like this, they start to like get kind of worried and stuff like 16 mile run, 15 mile run when I'm (laughs) training for a marathon. Like it just seems really like unbelievable. Right. Um, but what we really want to think about is all the other things that you're doing throughout the course of the week. So Mm. oftentimes you'll hear about people on peak training be like, oh, I'm so fatigued or like, oh, I'm so over marathon training and it's just so rough. The reason that is, is you are training under an accumulation of stress, an accumulative fatigue. So you are just building it, building it, building it, building it. You, when you reach your peak week, it's typically your highest mileage week, it's coming after an extremely high volume last couple of weeks. And you're gonna be out there, yeah, you're, you're only gonna be going, maybe your peak long run is two and a half, three hours. Um, maybe your marathon, you're gonna be out there for four or five hours. Um, so you might think, how is this gonna prepare me? Well, let's, let's fast forward. After you're done with that longest long run, three weeks out from your marathon, you're, maybe you finish off a 40 mile week or you're out you're doing like 10 hours worth of work that week or eight hours i don't know mm-hmm. um you're doing eight hours worth of running in a week and you're doing a three hour long run or whatever it is two and a half hour long run um maybe you're doing some lifting in there you're doing a running workout i mean it is intense then for the next three weeks you're tapering you're reducing the load for the first time in like 16 weeks to the point where it's like your your lowest mileage week before race week, you're not doing pretty much any workouts, you're not lifting. And then on top of that, you're getting um, the carbo loading benefits that you probably didn't get from um, your training because during training, you're at like a glycogen deficit when you're kind of out there day in and day out. Um, And then you're gonna get race day adrenaline. You're gonna um, be really priming to give it your all on race day. And so there's a lot of different factors that go into a race day versus like run-of-the-mill training run and that's why when you put it all together you wrap it up in a nice little bow it's a completely different beast when you're doing it in the marathon and the idea during training is you want to train and then on race day you want to test everything that you trained and so that accumulation of everything is the missing puzzle piece that a lot of people in their head are like i don't think i'm gonna be ready for this and i always like to use the analogy I think I've said this in like every podcast of like people who do 100 mile ultras, people who do 50 mile ultras. Um, we have a lot of friends who've done several of them, right? And I think the biggest thing that I see from their training is that there isn't a lot of super long runs going on for these people that are doing 100 milers. It's like, okay, maybe three days in a row they're going out there for two, three hours, and then that's it. Um, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of like, because you would think if you're using the same logic that everyone's using for the marathon, like, oh, I have to run 75% of the distance in a long run. We not, I've never in my life seen someone training for a 100 miler and gone over, I mean, I, maybe I see someone do like a 50 mile race in the training up for it, but I've never seen someone do maybe longer. I think like 38 is about the longest right. I've seen 
um, one of our friends, but he's like a two, he's a 250 guy. So it's like he can cover that in, yeah, it's over three hours, but again, you're training for like a 24 hour right. event. So I don't know. Yeah. You got to get used to feeling cause you're going to be out there a long time. <laughs> right. And I think he was just bored. He was like, I want to run from maybe right. Grove to Woodbury or whatever it was. And so like the route just so happened to be 38 miles. And so I think he knew, okay, it's a little risky doing right. this, but you know, it's my, it's my longest peak week, whatever. I'm training for a hundred miler. Um, but using that same logic, right? These people, he's 30 miles is a long run and he crushes a hundred yeah. miler. I mean, how is it possible? I think what we really need to remember in the world of endurance sports, there becomes a point where it's pretty much all mental. Like physically, you're just an endurance machine. You can go out there. Your body can do it, man. Like you have to just believe right. my body can do this. Like I do this literally every day. I get up and run for hours. Um, it, and then it's just letting your mind kind of be quiet and you just putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, it's really interesting when you think about like ultra runners and stuff. And I think, you know, they, they obviously probably ran halves and fulls as they worked their way up to that distance, right? So they get that experience of like, how does their body adapt to these long runs and to, you know, 50 mile weeks and all this, all this stuff. And so, um, you know, the, while you were talking, I was just thinking like, you know, marathoners, especially they get really focused on two things, right? It's that long run distance and the time they want to run on race day, right? Mm -hmm. Like those two things they get so wrapped up in. I feel like you think, you think about it all the time as your marathon training cycle starts, you pretty much know in your head what you want them to be, right? Like I want my longest run to be this. I uh, want to run this time on, on the race day. Right. Um, and I feel like it's just like the one distance where we have that expectation almost in our mind. But you know, when we think about a 5k or a 10k or even a half, we a lot of times don't go into that with those same sort of time um, obsessions or expectations, right? And so we just kind of let the training play out and then we try to assess where's our fitness at and then we uh, you know, target a pacing plan that's appropriate based on how training's gone. And I feel like if we did that more so with the marathon training, it would set people up for more success because then they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. Like, oh, uh, I was able to do my long run at this pace, so I should be, I'm in this shape, I'm ready to go tackle this time in the, in the race. But um, like you said, it's a, it's a compilation of your entire training every week, all the workouts you've done. Um, previous, you know, experience plays a huge role too in racing shorter distances, I feel like can go a long way as well, but. Definitely. <clears throat> well, and I think it's worth mentioning, um, Camille Heron, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So she recently in January, um, she came out and kind of, I had listened to her podcast on Rich Roll. She was interviewed on okay. Rich Roll in the summer of 2020, I believe sometime in there. And I do recall her saying like, he was like, what's that you apart from other ultra runners? So she has the world record at the time of this recording for the hundred mile distance. Oh, wow. I mean, she's at like seven thirty pace or whatever. Um, and, uh, so he was like, what's that you apart? And she's like, well, I don't do long runs, Rich. She's like, I just, I don't believe in it. I, I don't, I don't ever run longer than like 18 miles. So like for her at her level, okay. for anyone listening, that's like two and a half hours cap. Wow. So, she, so she does these hundred mile races, but like two and a half is her longest run. She's like, I don't, and she goes, I definitely don't believe in back to back long runs. She's like, I think it just trashes your legs and it doesn't allow you to like run as much mileage or like feel hmm. as good, I guess. So she does a lot of doubles. So she'll okay. do maybe like 10 in the morning and like 7 in the evening. Sure. Like 10 and 4. I don't know. Whatever. Um, she she kind of outlined a lot of that. But then TrailRunnerMagazine.com, um, they did like a whole article on her. And in her words, like this is like something she quoted, long runs are overrated. So this is an ultra runner who has the world record in 
the yep. 100 mile distance and she literally says long runs are overrated and i mean i think there is um something to that and obviously she knows you have to run like semi-long right like there is still right. a long run in her training but i think it's really cool that she's coming forward and saying these things because i think there is such a stigma in the running community it's like what's your long run or like gotta do my 20 and right. blah, blah blah and like here she is doing 100 mile world record setting races and she's not even doing 20 mile long run so really it's it's just having that question in our own mind of like okay is this the most productive thing because what she's really advocating for more so is doing um so she does a little bit more frequent racing i think she'll okay. do like 50ks um maybe every six weeks or something i don't know just to like have that experience racing um and then more of like the tempo steady state sort of things so she has more time to be doing the moderate pace work which i think is really important as well because that's why we mention you should really limit your long run to no more than 33% of your weekly mileage and the reason that we have that guideline is so that you can still rebound from that and then do some of your workouts during the week because I think we get so hyper focused on this Saturday Sunday long run we forget mm -hmm. oh you know uh, Thursday threshold workout super important part of training but right. no one's talking about that Wednesday threshold workout. They're all talking about, oh, I got to go 20. It's like, well, no, let's focus on, like, what are you doing, like, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Like, what, <laughs> what about the other days? Because those days make up a lot more of our training than I think we're giving them credit for. Yeah, I love that example. And, you know, my own personal marathon PR was during a cycle where I only ran one run that was over 18. It was pre-Garmin, so I don't know if it was 18, 19, or 20, but it was somewhere in there. But the rest of my long runs were probably right around that 15, 16 range, and then a few shorter ones. And I felt really good because I had a good body of work. Like I did some solid workouts. Um, fast forward a few years later, I thought I trained harder because I did more longer runs, but the result wasn't quite the same. And so um, for me, I just thought I always kind of thrived on, on doing a little bit less. And so kind of knowing your body too and like what, what your body needs and how fast you're recovering, I think that's really, really important. Um, and that's cool to hear that about her, her example because um, you know, yeah, I mean, she's training for long races and so mm -hmm. if we're just training for the marathon, we, you know, that's, that's a good reminder that we don't need to always be running super far. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, she kind of went over more of her training, um, in detail and really focusing on those like medium long runs and just yeah. the mileage accumulation. And so her whole deal was like, you can actually get more benefit from, um, running more consistently throughout the week because I think there's something to do with like, um, after I want to say it's like 20 or 30 minutes into a run, you get like these benefits of like your bone density can start increasing mm. because like your bones are getting like this signal of like, Hey, we're doing weight bearing exercise, whatever. Um, whereas if you're only running like three times per week, you're not getting that with, cause every time you go out on a run mm -hmm. and you're hitting that 30 minute threshold, you start to get like these benefits. Um, and so she was in that article kind of alluding to the fact that like, why would I not try to get as many like 20, 30 minute sessions in per day and obviously she goes longer than that but um she's saying that she's getting just as much um cardiovascular benefit and then she's also negating um any of like the bone health things that might arise if she was only running um you know not as many days per week or only once a day because obviously right. you have to have really strong bone health if you're going to be going yeah. out there and trying to um to run long distance races as well uh, but that being said, I do think it's important just to think about that accumulative total because that's really the moral of the story as why I'm reading that article is 
Uh, we really need to be thinking about every single run during the week. Um, is there a way that we can increase that mileage so that we can overall be a stronger runner? Um, so if you do have that luxury and that time where you're able to commit to running um, more days per week, that might actually be uh, beneficial for you. I know some people, they just, they can't swing it or they don't want to, um, that's totally fine too. Um, another option, which she does not agree with, but um, I've heard other, you know, ultra runners and coaches out there recommend is the idea of that back-to-back -back long run. Um, I think for some of the people that we coach, it's almost like a, I, I wouldn't call it like a standard back-to-back -back long run. Like we're not right. doing like three hours and three hours. We're doing something more like, okay, let's go out for an hour on Friday and then do your two hour long run the next day. And the idea there is really just like building that volume because mm -hmm. we don't need to like completely rest the day before our long run. Um, we can kind of build and do a little bit more and get our body used to training in that more fatigue state, which is similar to what she's doing. And so it's really just getting our body used to being on our feet, doing the events and building that endurance. Yeah, from my experience working with athletes that maybe do a long run pace, like let's say 11, 12 minute pace, um, you know, we've experimented with with those occasional back to back long runs and maybe, you know, maybe it's like every other week and then on the in between week we have just kind of a longer run where they're a little bit more rested for that. And so just sort of figuring out kind of what works for you and your schedule um, and really whatever you're going to be able to consistently do throughout the whole training and recover from and still hit your workouts, that's going to be what's best for you. And so, um, the goal isn't always to do more. It's really just to do what feels right for your body. And then you can always make, make those tweaks as, as you um, get into future training cycles. So you definitely should have key takeaways and learning um, about each cycle that you do so that you can apply that to future training cycles. Definitely. And I think we've talked about this on previous podcast episodes, but going back to the whole idea of like that 20 mile long run, everyone likes to see the two zero, um, mm -hmm. those sort of things. A lot of the training plans that you're going to pull up on, on Google um, were probably just developed by, you know, anyone. We, we have no idea. But a lot of the culture, I think, around having the 20-mile long run in marathon training plans, it, it's probably stemming back, um, and there is history to it, right? So if we look at, you know, the first, the history of marathons, right, it kind of, there became a running boom maybe in what, 70s, 60s, I don't know. And then in the 80s again, and a lot of the people who were participating in those events, um, they were, there wasn't a lot of diversity in finish times, I'll, I'll say. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were running in the sub three to three to four hour, 3.30 range, right. right? So there was just a lot of finish times in that range. And so when people would kind of share their training with each other, they would talk probably a little bit more in miles versus in duration because people were running such similar times to each other that they didn't really have to think about some of these principles that we talked about earlier in the podcast. Like when you're doing 10 by 400 meter repeats, how that's actually double the volume if you're someone like Coach Kevin, who's two 12 marathoner versus someone who's running a five hour marathon. It's a completely different workout, it's double the volume. So what we wanna think about is a lot of these train plans, a lot of these things that are passed on, um, you know, those traditions, I guess you could say mm -hmm. like a 20 mile long run, Where's it coming from? Is it coming from some male that ran a sub three hour marathon and that was his staple? He was like, yeah, you know, doing five 20 milers in training for my race, it really helped me run at 229. And it's like, oh, okay, um, wait, 229, like what? That's, that's, a, that's a beast, right? So how long were you out there if you were running 20 miles? I don't even know. Um, two hours and Two hours minutes. and change. Yeah. 
barely not even two and a half hours because yeah. you can cover 20 miles in two and a half hours that's what like 7 30 pace so most of these people i mean they're running right at seven if not faster so two hours and 20 minutes and so if you're gonna listen to someone that's telling you oh run five 20 milers well you better ask like at what pace are you doing that because that's really important information and i would rather know duration of what these people were doing than distance i don't care the distance if it was two hours and 15 minutes that's more valuable to know than oh i ran 20 miles because if you're trying to replicate that it could mean all sorts of things it could mean you were out there for five hours it could mean you were out there for two hours and pretty much anywhere in between so we really want to think about how we can customize things to make it fit what our current fitness level is and then what our background is and what our goals are as well. And I know it can be really challenging to hear all of these like conflicting things and like see different plans on Google and um, not really know what to do. And that's why working with a coach can be a great option because you're able to have someone really assess your background who has experience working with people um, of similar backgrounds and abilities and can help you kind of figure out what the best approach for you and your goals are. And it, they can help you frame up a training plan that's gonna really make sense and it's going to minimize the risk of injury and it's gonna maximize your potential in the sport of running. And so if you are interested in getting that outsider's perspective and seeing what you can do to break through to that next level and to avoid having those super fatigued legs or those bonks on long runs or during race day, we would love to connect with you. If you fill out the form at www.run4prs.com, we can get you set up with a free seven-day trial working with a coach. Again, that's www.run4prs.com. Thanks for tuning in.